let's talk some Diamondbacks. Joining me now from ArizonaSports.com is Alex Weiner, my good friend, covers the team. Uh, you've been out at Chase Field a couple of times recently. I have. I'll be back out there tomorrow. Here's what I want to hit you with. Um, this is a conversation you, have I, you and I have had before on the Ain't No Fang podcast at ArizonaSports.com. Paven Smith continues to be the leadoff hitter against righties. Uh, I think, was that just last night he was leading off against a righty? I think it was, against Tuki Toussaint. Um, Paven Smith shouldn't be the leadoff hitter against righties, certainly not against lefties. He shouldn't be the leadoff hitter at all. Paven Smith this season, when leading off, is hitting 148, and his numbers in general are not much better than that in the other spots in the lineup. I don't understand why the team continues to roll him out there as the leadoff hitter when there are better options in the major leagues and in the minor leagues. Well, I mean, he... Did go one for three with a couple of walks yesterday. So I know. Every time I criticize him, he does something. People asking questions about it, and then immediately he goes out and does that. It, it kind of feels like that happens from time to time, where someone gets asked, why is Paven Smith hitting him here? And then he has a good game, but then it's a little wild. But I look at the body of one. work. Sure, and it, it, it hasn't been great uh, recently. I mean, just looking at the month of June, he has a 38 WRC+. plus. I mean, he's just quite frankly not getting on base at a clip that you want to see out of a guy in the top half of the lineup, not to mention the leadoff spot. Yeah. Plus, it kind of seems like in spurts, they've put other guys there. Obviously, against lefties, they've put Cattell Marte there, and he's had tremendous success hitting first. A couple of games, they put Geraldo Perdomo there, and he's had some nice days when he's been hitting first, too. So they, they it feels like they have options for guys to place there. That's who they've gone with, and Tori Lovello has continued to put trust in him there. There's clearly something they're seeing behind the scenes or maybe just from an approach standpoint that they feel like he still gives them a, the best chance at leadoff. Now, the results have not been there at all, but I'm not so sure how quick they are going to be to change it. And, and, and Lavello said that he's not going to be one to be naive as far as like if it continues to not work, they're going to make the proper changes. But But it's been a while now that he's been in that role, and so far the results haven't sort of warranted him staying there, but who knows, if they think that you know, something is coming around the corner for him. They're going to keep running him out there. For Here's the problem I have. You have four good players on this team, like really good players in the lineup. Wow, that's uh, four. I think there's four. I think there's four good players. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say really good. There are four solid good players that could be all-stars this season. Corbin Carroll is obviously one of them. He's on pace to be rookie of the year. He's going to be an all-star. He might even be starting in the outfield in the all-star game. Uh, Gurriel had one of the hottest months of May in the entire league. I know he's been cold lately since coming back from injury. He's got, I think, one hit, and it was a home run. Um, uh, Christian Walker is a good hitter, the only real power hitter on your team aside from, I know Carroll's got the most home runs, and I know Gurriel has actually had a nice resurgence in power, but Walker's your power hitter. And then Marte, you have four good players. And if you're not hitting all four of them in the top four spots in your lineup, you're missing out. And you're giving opportunities to people that otherwise could be one of those four. And I'm not okay with that. Sure. And I understand that. I mean, the other day, uh, I believe this was it was one of the Phillies games where they were down a run. It was the bottom of the seventh inning. And it was a first and third with two outs. And Paven Smith's spot, the leadoff spot, came up in that situation. The Phillies went to their bullpen and bring in Gregory Soto, a lefty. Yeah. The Diamondbacks matched by bringing in Emmanuel Rivera, who's had a very good season for the D-backs. A little bit of a, of a cold streak over the last like week or so, but for the most part, he's been very reliable for them. But you don't have to play that kind of game of chess and bring somebody in cold off of the bench if, you know, it's Cattell Marte in that situation. Or a switch it's hitter. 
Corbin Carroll in that situation. That's what I like about Marte, too. Sorry to interrupt, but like with Marte, who has been really good in the leadoff spot, you mentioned he's hitting 313. He's on base 380 when he's in the leadoff spot, uh, something that they've tried at least this season, but haven't done a ton of. He's got about 100 at bats or so in that spot. Consistent uh, leadoff hitter against left-handed pitchers. I like having a switch hitter at the top of the lineup because then if you're facing a lefty, we know he's good against lefties. If you're facing a righty, at least he has the opportunity to hit left-handed. Um, yeah, the Pavin Smith thing, I don't know how long it lasts. I don't I don't get the feeling that if it continu- t- continues to not go well, I can't imagine they stick with it. This is an organization that's made a lot of tough decisions this season because they've been surprisingly competitive, and mm-hmm. that's great. They made the hard decision to DFA Madison Bumgarner despite his massive contract that they gave him. They sent Jake McCarthy down to the minors despite knowing he's a role player and uh, for the long term, potentially. Same with Thomas. Same yeah. with Alec Thomas. And both of those guys, to their credit, went down and did really well and raked, and McCarthy's back and stealing bases like it's nobody's business. And Alec Thomas will be back. It would make all the sense in the world to bring Alec Thomas back and Paven Smith goes to the minors because, quite frankly, forget about the leadoff thing. He's not hitting, period, no matter where you're putting him. Um, I would think that that would be a difficult decision that's probably looming for the Diamondbacks. Sure. And with Thomas, I mean, Lavello said yesterday that the best version of this Diamondbacks team has Alec Thomas in it because of what he gives you defensively, the speed. I mean, the no-fly zone, we haven't really heard that phrase because usually... You know, it's it's Carroll and McCarthy and then somebody else, or it's one of the two, usually Carroll. Varsho um, last year. Exactly. But, like, earlier this season, they ran out those three guys, Thomas, Carroll, McCarthy, in the outfield. And just the sheer speed makes it very, very difficult for balls to fall. So the best version of the team has Thomas in it. Now, I'm not sure when a move would potentially happen. I'm not sure if it would be Pavin or if it would be somebody else. I don't want to speculate on that. But with Pavin, it, it just... This team, and you're, and you're right about that, it took them four starts for them to move on from Baumgartner this year. It didn't take them long. They gave so him a leash, but it, they weren't going to let it, it be a long one. Yeah, they're trying it with Pavin in that spot, but I can't imagine it lost forever if the results continue to be what they have been and they don't turn drastically. Let's talk about the catching situation. Gabby Moreno is arguably the best defensive catcher in baseball this season by certain metrics. He's got the highest... Uh, caught stealing above average, basically meaning how many more guys he's going to catch stealing than the average player in the league. Uh, he's alone in that category. He's got great pop time. It's in the top 10. I think or, I think he's 12th in pop time in the league. He's got incredible arm strength in the top 10 to 15 in the league. He's really good defensively, It's he's proven. And, oh, by the way, he's hitting 279. Uh, so he's pretty darn good offensively as well. Hard line drive hitter. He's proven that he's the best catcher they have. And for Carson Kelly to come back from injury, missing a lot of time, I understand the desire to get him some reps so that he can get comfortable at the major league level again. Played pretty well in the minor leagues during his rehab stint. But for Torrey Lovello to come out of the gate and say, we're going to play them 50-50. 50% of the time Moreno, 50% of the time Carson Kelly. And I believe that Torrey probably meant that is for now. He did. And then eventually it will drift back to being more Moreno. I imagine that's what will happen. But I'm just I'm just going to spitball this with you. Was Were they wrong to play Carson Kelly as much as they did in the first couple of days back from injury? Because the Phillies ran all over him. I don't know about wrong because a big part of that was Moreno and a fatigue factor that he was feeling a little nicked up. Just... They felt he had had a pretty big workload. It's fair to assume that they wouldn't have managed the catching situation as they did if they 
like let's say Carson Kelly was like going to be out for much much longer they probably don't play Moreno as much as they did early on. They probably mix and match a little bit more with Jose Herrera just to make sure that Moreno's kind of knees are kept up for the long haul of the season. But they knew that they were going to get Carson Kelly back at a certain point before July. And because of that, they knew they were going to be able to rely on him a little bit to sort of balance it out a little bit. So big workload for Moreno. They gave him a few days off of his feet. I think he had a pinch hit appearance, but that was about it. And... So, and you're right. It was a difference. Carson Kelly adjusting to getting back, you know. The the bat was cold. They ran on him a lot. They ran on him. They really took advantage. But ultimately, they're going to need Carson Kelly throughout, you know, at least for the short term and the long term of the season. That's just how they have it set up. It could be Gabriel Moreno playing 65% of the starts by the end of the season. I'm not sure about that. But for now, they sort of want to ease up on Moreno just to kind of save him for the long haul of the season and get Carson Kelly going. So it feels like both of those goals match up with each other really nicely. But you're right. For fans who want to see Gabriel Moreno every single day, it's going to be a little bit frustrating for now. Last one before I go to break. Uh, Zach Allen dazzled again last night. Another home game opportunity. Early in the season, his first two starts were rough. And I asked you on the podcast, I said, are you worried about Zach Gallon at all? And you looked at me like I was stupid. <laughs> now, fortunately, because we're friendly, uh, you did not call me stupid, but I felt like it in the moment. Because then he comes back and he's amazing. And, you know, he's probably going to be an all-star, maybe deserves the chance to start that game and might be the best pitcher in the league and win a Cy Young. Maybe. We'll see. His home and road splits are at least something worth talking about. He was great again last night, but it was at home where he's been fantastic and his batting average against his 202 this season. But on the road, teams are hitting 290 against him. He's just a different pitcher. Is that something that I should be concerned about? And you're not looking at me like I'm stupid, so I feel like at least there's a conversation there. Uh, probably <laughs> not. Same thing. Um, okay. I know it's, it's had a couple of rough starts on the road this season to start off at Dodger Stadium. The first start, it was the first start. That Pirates start, and then most recently the Tigers start. Although the Tigers start was a little different because of how early it was. And Tori Lovello talked about his body clock just not being where it should have been. Is that the 830 game? 830 game, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was weird. So it's a bit strange. So if you take those out, the first start and then that Tigers start, then it probably looks a bit favorably. Looking at his splits last year... He was very good at home. He was very good on the road. He was four nine or four or two four nine ERA at home, two five nine on the road. Opponents were hitting below the Mendoza line both against him at home and away. This year, the splits have been a little bit more drastic, but it's fifteen starts. He has been dang near unhittable at home. Sure, there's been a couple of starts going around the road, but I think it's way too early to think that there's something wrong with him on the road, especially given his past track record where that hasn't really been the case. Alex Weiner from ArizonaSports.com. You can hear him also on the Ain't No Fang podcast. You can find it there or on the Arizona Sports app. Thanks for popping in with me, man. Thanks for having me. That was fun.